0: Turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And we're seeing this great book. Of course, Luke presents Jesus as the perfect Son of God. He is the Savior, the sacrifice, and the substitute for the sins of mankind. Now, realize Jesus is the God-man. He is the Son of God and the perfect man. That's why he's able to be the mediator between God and man. We're seeing the beginning of his ministry. And for the last several weeks, what we did is we saw two big events. We saw his baptism by John. And then we saw the temptation in the wilderness by the devil. Well, this morning we're getting a look at his ministry as he goes to his hometown, Nazareth. And it's a surprise because he's going to be rejected. I mean, this is really a foreshadow of the ministry as a whole. You realize this, that John chapter 1 verse 11 says, He came into his own, his own people, and his own received him not. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came to the nation of Israel and they rejected him. As a people group. As we look at this passage this morning, we're gonna see that this is a picture. When Jesus goes to Nazareth, they're gonna reject him. It is a foreshadowing a picture of what happens to the nation of Israel as a whole rejects Jesus Christ as Messiah. As we look at this powerful but often misunderstood passage, let me tell you, we read it a while ago, and you remember we got to that part and it says, And the people were in rage. Why did they get so mad? What did Jesus say that made these people so mad that they wanted to take him outside the city and throw him off a cliff? We'll see as we go through the passage. So as we look at this, we see the reaction of the people, and we see how Jesus proclaims that He is the Messiah. So may we be able to put all this together as we study this morning. Well, you know, the truth is we have a great message to proclaim. It is the, the Bible calls it the good news. The Bible calls it the gospel. What exactly is that message? Well, simply put, the message is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to this earth to die on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and rose again, and all who will believe in Him will not perish but have have everlasting life. Anyone who trusts in Christ for salvation will have eternal life. The key to the message is that it is for all people, whosoever will. In John 1.29, is Jesus is called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 3.16, God so loved the world. We must never forget that the message of salvation, that Jesus is Messiah and that He is Savior, is a message for the whole world. At the night of His birth, you remember? Good news, great joy. To all the people Well this morning Jesus goes to his hometown He's already begun the ministry. You can't tell it yet from the, the gospel of Luke But we'll see it as we go through the passage He's already gone He was in the southern part of Israel He's come back to the northern part of Israel He's gone around to different synagogues He's got his headquarters at a city called Capernaum And he's doing He's done miracles And the people have heard about it And he goes to his hometown And what they're going to say is Hey we're looking for a few good miracles that's what we want to see. We want to see if you really are who you think you are. And so we're going to see what happens. Look at uh, Luke 4. Look at verse 14. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, all ministries done done in the Spirit, and news about Him spread through all the surrounding district. So people are hearing about what He's doing. Now this passage is unique because this passage is a foreshadow of what's going to happen in Christ's ministry. We see the rejection of Jesus by His own people, the Jews, and... And then the message goes to the Gentiles. That's what's going to happen. We'll see how it fits together. Well, let's begin. Jesus left the the southern part of Israel. He's gone back to the northern part of Israel. He set up his headquarters in Capernaum. And the Gospel of John gives us some information that Luke doesn't tell us. What Jesus has already done is he's gone to Jerusalem. He met the guy by the name of Nicodemus. You remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, a religious leader, came to Jesus by night and said, You must be from God because nobody can continue to do the miracles that you do unless God's with him and Jesus said you must be born again and so he talked to him about that then Jesus went to the northern part of Israel he went to a little city called Cana of Galilee and it was a wedding there and Jesus turned the water to wine not too long after that still in Cana of Galilee there was this man who had a a son who was very sick and Jesus didn't even go to where the city was he just told the man when you go back home your son will be well Well, all of these messages, all of this stuff is scattered around, and people are hearing that Jesus is doing miracles. Well, he's going back to his hometown. What are they going to say to him? I mean, they knew him when he was a little boy. They knew his dad. They knew him. They knew his mama. They knew his brothers. They knew his sisters. They know all of this. There's a truth that a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. Jesus is going to say that. What happens when he goes back to his town? Let me give you the outline of the passage today. We're going to look at verses 16 through 30. First of all, we're going to see his announcement. His announcement is verses 16 through 21. Just to let you know, he's going to claim to be the Messiah, and we'll see what happens. We're going to see his rejection. They reject him as they think about all this. And then, as we look on, we see his message to them. as verses 23 through 27. And then their response to what he says, verses 28 through 30. There's a lot in this passage. We'll go through it. Luke shows us that the rejection by Jesus by his own people is a foreshadow by his own hometown is rejection is, is a picture of the rejection by the nation of Israel and, and then he's going to talk about the message is going to go to the Gentiles and that's exactly what's going to happen you may not understand this but when Jesus came the first most of the first part of all the gospels he is going directly to the Jewish people and he sets his people he says go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel he goes to the Jewish people and when And they as a nation, as a people group, reject him. The message then goes to the Gentiles. This is going to be foreshadowed in this passage because he goes to his own people in Nazareth. They reject him. And he tells them that the message is going to the Gentiles. And we'll see what happens. This is where the Great Commission comes from. At the very end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus came out and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations that's what it's all about we're going to see a very unique passage it's often misunderstood because people read through the passages, they don't understand why did these people get so mad at jesus we'll see what he said and find out why they were so mad well let's face it it's hard to be famous in your hometown They all know you. They knew when you were a little person running around. And so they'd say, this person's famous? Well, Jesus is going to go back to his hometown. And the rumors are that he's claiming to be the Messiah, the Savior, and that in other places he's done miracles. If you were from Nazareth and somebody said, you remember Jesus? Oh, yeah, yeah, his daddy was the carpenter. He's a carpenter. I know his mother. Yeah. Uh, He's claiming to be the Messiah. He's done miracles all over. You'd say, I'd like to see a miracle. I'd like to see one. Before I believe anything, I'm going to see a miracle. Well, let's see what happens. Look at verses 14 and 15, just to get a little running start. We finished here last week. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, as I said a while ago. All ministry is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. News about Him spread throughout all the surrounding district. Word was going everywhere what He was doing. Notice his pattern. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Sometimes people are confused and they think that what Jesus did is he did a few miracles and told a few stories. No. Jesus would go in the synagogues and he would teach the word of God. That's what he did. We're going to see he's going to take the scripture this morning. He's going to look at Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. That's what he's going to see in this passage. So remember Jesus taught the scripture. Well, let's see what happens. He's he's done miracles in Cana and Jerusalem and Capernaum what happens when he comes home verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read when well, he comes back to his hometown everybody knew him I want you to see something hold your place in Luke 4 and go over to Mark chapter 6 ok just flip over it's not very far back toward the front of your Bible Mark chapter 6 I want you to start reading at verse 3 as you're turning there This is the same passage that we are seeing in in, uh, the Gospel of Luke. It says this, as you're turning there, Jesus went out from there and he came to his hometown. (coughs) When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now watch as he's teaching. What is the response to who he is? Look at verse 3 of Mark chapter 6. They said, is not this the carpenter? What was Jesus? What was his ministry? What, what, what was his occupation growing up? He was a carpenter. So they said, Isn't this the carpenter? The son of Mary? We know his mother. The brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? He had four brothers, four half brothers. James is the brother that the, God, the book of James was written. And, and Judas is Jude, the book of Jude in the Bible that was written by him. And they said, Well, his brothers, don't we know his brothers? And are not his sisters here with us? He had at least two sisters. And notice the end of the verse. And they took offense at him. They said, wait a minute, who does he think he is? We knew his daddy. We know what he did. We know his mama. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. And they took offense at him. Notice the verse goes on to say, And Jesus said to them, Verse 4. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and own household. And he could do no miracle there except. It's because of their unbelief. Notice. He could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. They did not believe in him in Nazareth. They rejected him. It is a foreshadow and a picture of the nation of Israel as a whole rejecting Jesus as Messiah. Now go back to Luke chapter 4 and let's get a little bit more details. It says, He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Well, this is probably the synagogue you went to when he was a young boy. What do you mean a synagogue? What is a synagogue exactly? I want you to understand this. Jewish people always had the temple. You remember under the Babylonians, the Babylonians came in and captured Israel, burned down the temple, tore it up, and took Jewish people off into captivity. They were in captivity for 70 years. While they were in captivity for 70 years, the Jewish people decided that they would meet in small groups so they could pray and read the scriptures and not forget about God. And so the Jewish people would gather together, and these places were called synagogues gaze, which means to come together, a meeting together. And so the Jewish people, while they were in captivity, met together. You had to have at least ten men to have a synagogue. When the Jewish people came back from captivity and came back to the land, they kept on having synagogues. And so in every city in which there were at least ten men, the Jewish people would have a synagogue, and they would come together. And and let me tell you a little bit about a synagogue. The synagogue had a leader. He was called, the Greek word, archosynagogue which means the leader of the synagogue. It was his job to take care of the furniture. It was his job to take care of the scrolls. It was his job when they came together to pick the song, to read, to read, to, to uh, do the scripture reading and do some other things. And, and what they would do, here's how they would do it. They'd usually begin with a song and then he would pray. And then they had the thing called the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4. Deuteronomy says Shema, Shema, Israel. That's Hebrew, which means hear, oh, hear, Israel. They would go, hear, oh, hear, Israel. The Lord your God is one God and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and all your mind. They would quote that at the start. Then they had two different readings. Sometimes they had one scroll, sometimes they had two scrolls. One scroll was the reading from the law, first five books. The other scroll was called the reading from the prophets, and it had the rest of the books. And so they would get there, and the Archicenegosus would say... Would somebody like to read from the law? And they had a certain reading, they would read. And then he would say, would somebody like to read from the prophets? And they would give it to somebody. Sometimes when a guest would come into the synagogue, they would say, oh, you're a guest today. Would you like to read? Would you like to speak? Well, guess who comes into the synagogue today as a guest? Is Jesus he grew up in his town he's come back to his hometown and he comes into the synagogue notice what it says and uh, Jesus it, it came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up as was his custom he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read now let's clear up something because some people are confused I know some people think the Sabbath is Sunday and they'll say things like you better be careful on the Sabbath day Sabbath is not Sunday Sunday's the first day of the week the Sabbath or Saturday is the last day of the week. That's why the Jewish people would work for six days and rest on the seventh. First day of the week is Sunday. They would work all the way until Friday, and then on Saturday, that's the Sabbath. If you've been confused, just go get a calendar and see which is one on the furthest end. That's Sunday. That's first day, second day, third day. That's the last day of the week is Saturday. Okay? And so the Sabbath is the Saturday. The Jewish people worshipped on the Sabbath. We worship on the first day of the week on Sunday. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the Grave on the first day of the week Sunday we worship on Sunday so here it is Sabbath day they go into the synagogue Jesus goes in and he stands up to read what did Jesus do? There's two things. I want you to see it. He stands up to read, which is to honor the word, and then he sits down to teach. And that's the way they did it. A lot of times they would stand up to read, but the teacher would sit down. In fact, in some situations, the teacher sat down and the people stood. Now, in our situation, you sit down and I stand. There were times that Jesus, he would get in the boat, sit in the boat, and the people would stand on the side of the seashore the whole time. So Jesus goes into the synagogue and he stands up to read. Now, remember I said there's two reasons reading places. Maybe somebody's already read from the law but notice what it says. Jesus stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. I want you to understand that there's a scroll. When it says book here, it literally means a scroll and when it says was opened, it means it was, it was rolled out. And so they brought to him the scroll and they rolled it out to Isaiah. I want you to understand, Jesus Jesus didn't go, I'm going to find Isaiah. Let me see. This is what I want to read today. That didn't work that way. There was a particular reading that they would read over a three-year time period and they would read the whole scroll if you get a Jewish calendar today and you look on Saturday the Sabbath you will see that there are two readings one from the law and one from the prophets they do that to this day so when Jesus got the scroll and it was from Isaiah it wasn't where Jesus just happened to find Isaiah that was the reading for that day. It happens to be Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. Notice what happens, verse 17. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. And look what it says. Isaiah 61, this is verses 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now notice, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Now can you picture this? He goes in, he stands up, they hand him, he opens up to the reading of the day. He reads it, rolls it back up, gives it to the guy and sits down because he's fixing to teach them now let's talk about that passage Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 is the Messiah speaking this passage is written by Isaiah but it is the the Messiah speaking notice what the Messiah says verse 18 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover the sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord now everyone in that synagogue would know that that passage is what the Messiah would say they knew that they'd say oh he's reading Isaiah 61 he's reading what the Messiah is going to say when the Messiah comes what does it say it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me now Jesus is reading that He's saying it because he's saying it is truth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, was the Spirit of the Lord upon Jesus? Sure was. Remember when he was baptized by John? When he came up out of the water, it said, And the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down and rested upon him. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, there's a dual meaning through this whole thing. Because the Messiah does both physical and spiritual it says that he proclaims the gospel to the poor, the poor physically that really are poor, but every human being is poor spiritually in the sense that we're bankrupt. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you're going to see all the way through this, there's a dual thing that when the Messiah comes, he does some things physically and he does some things spiritually. Now notice it says he wants to preach, he has anointed him to preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news message of salvation by faith in the Messiah. Please do not confuse that. Please Please do not add to that. The good news message is simple. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It is not your works, your goodness, your, your committing your life to Jesus. It is none of that. It is your faith in him as your savior, and you are saved forever. He says, this is Jesus speaking. He's reading Isaiah, which is pertaining to him, and he says, I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor, to the poor people, and to the poor in spirit, which is all people notice it goes on to say he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives the word release to the captives was the idea now physically his plan was to release them from the bondage of the Romans see that's what the normal Jewish person thought when the Messiah comes he's going to whip the Romans and we're going to be free one of these days the Messiah is going to free all his people but not only does he set them free from the Romans but he sets all people free from sin and death He goes on to say, in recovery of the sight to the blind. There were times when Jesus was on this earth that he healed people. There was a man born blind and Jesus just told him what to do and he could see. There was another man that was walking along and Jesus said he was blind and so Jesus put, got some, so he said, go to this pool, put some mud on your face, go to this thing called Siloam, wash it off, you'll be able to see. He did. There was another time there was this guy was blind and Jesus went up to him and the guy said, I can't see. And so Jesus touched him and he said, what do you see now? He said, well, looks like trees walking around. He said, let me fix it and he fixed it he says it's a little bit blurry so he got it fixed Jesus never did two miracles the same way he did not want people to think there was some kind of method that you just had to follow a little program and it would work no Jesus did every miracle a little bit different sometimes he touched people sometimes he didn't sometimes he spoke sometimes he didn't sometimes he said go do this sometimes he didn't he did it that way every time always different Notice it goes on to say, to set free those who are oppressed. That word really, uh, set free, has the idea of forgiveness. There is a physical and a spiritual aspect. He says, look, I have been anointed. So the Messiah is going to do a physical aspect and a spiritual aspect. And Jesus is reading this. And, And then watch the last part, verse 19. He says, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now this was a special term. The year of the Lord was called Jubilee. Every 50 years... Every 50 years they had a special year in which if you had debt, you were set free from your debt. If you were a slave, you were set free from being a slave. So people looked forward to the year of Jubilee. And when the year of Jubilee came, it was called the favorable year of the Lord. People were set free. He's reading this from Isaiah. And the idea there is exactly the right time when the Messiah comes. Everybody's going to be set free from sin and death and all of this. Now there's something you can't tell. Jesus reads this and then it says, and he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now what it doesn't tell us is Jesus stopped right in the middle of the verse. What if I got up here and I said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that, and I stopped. You'd go, that whosoever believes in me, finish the verse. Jesus said to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, and he stopped. The verse goes on to say, and to bring the day of vengeance of our God. He didn't read that. He stopped right in the middle of the verse, rolled it back up and said, here you go. And then he sat down. Notice, he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Why? Well, let me tell you something. See, the first part of the verse that he read, Spirit of the Lord's upon me to anoint pr- pronounce you know, give the gospel and the blind and all of this. That's what Jesus does on the first coming. When he came the first time he came to this earth and died on the cross to pay for sin, he preached the gospel, people could see, he freed us from the bondage of sin. He did all that. That's the first coming. But the day of vengeance of our God deals with his second coming. And see, there's going to be a second time Jesus comes as the king of kings, the lord of lords, and he comes as the judge of the earth, and he sets up a kingdom and rules. And so Jesus reads only the verses dealing with his first coming, because he is fulfilling the first coming right there. He does not read the list of the verse that deals with his second coming, because that hadn't happened yet. So watch what happened. He closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Why were all eyes fixed on him? Notice that number one, they said, well, he's the local boy. What's he going to say? But number two, he stopped in the middle of the verse. Why? Because he's only going to fulfill the first part of this verse. The second part will be filled when he comes the second time. Notice what he says. Verse 21 and he began to say to them today This day, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know what he's saying to them? I'm the Messiah. You just saw the word of God fulfilled. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me. I have come to preach the gospel. I have come to release the slaves. I've come to bring sight to the blind. I've come to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's exactly what he says. And he said, today, you guys, he said, today, you're seeing it right now. They understood that. What would you think if you were there? You'd go, you know what he just said? He said, he just said he's the Messiah. He just said he's fulfilling Isaiah 61. That's what he just said. He's claiming to be the Messiah. Well, what did they think? How did they respond? Well, verse 22 says, And all were speaking well of him, and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? I think there are two things that we're going to see. There was amazement and doubt. Amazement and doubt. First of all, look at the first part of the verse. And they were all speaking well of him, and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. The gracious words of the Bible. They saying He's saying all these things from the scripture. That's wonderful. But, look at the second thing. Is this not Joseph's son? We already saw in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says they took offense at him when he said this. They're looking around saying, who does he think he is? He thinks he's the Messiah. We know him. We knew his mother and daddy. We know his brothers and sisters. We know who he is. Who does he think he is? He's coming in here acting like he's God. And you know what they're going to say? You can't tell it until you get a little further in the passage. But you know what they're going to say? Okay. Then you did miracles. You did miracles in Capernaum. If you really are the son of God, then won't you do a few miracles here? We don't believe you. We're not going to believe you unless we see a few miracles. So watch what Jesus says to them. Verse 23. And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. Now, to say physician, heal yourself. He's saying you claim to heal. Then let's see some healing. And all the stuff that you're supposed to have done in Capernaum, go ahead and do it here so we can see that you really are God. I want you to understand something. They don't believe him at all. They took offense at him. They're actually upset at him. They actually think, who do you think you are? And Jesus is going to do something. The rest part of this passage is a little bit hard to follow unless you understand what he's about to do. He's going to show them something. He's going to say, okay, you're going to reject me. They are rejecting him. And he's going to go to the Gentiles with the message. He said, I'm going to show you, this is what you always do. And he's going to go back in history, and he's going to give them two examples of how the nation of Israel rejected their prophets, and the prophets had to go to the Gentiles. You understand that Jesus is called the great prophet. Deuteronomy 18, 15, Jesus is the fulfillment of the great prophet. So Jesus is saying, in the past, the prophet comes, you don't believe the prophet, he has to go to the Gentiles. He's saying, I've come as the great prophet, as the Messiah. You don't believe me I'm going to have to go to the Gentiles Look at what he does He gives two illustrations He starts in verse 24 and says He said truly I say to you No prophet is welcome in his hometown He said you don't believe me He's going to give two examples One is from Elijah And one is from Elisha Look at the first one The first example is Elijah Notice the verse Verse 25 But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land and yet Elijah was sent to none of them. He wasn't sent to anyone in Israel, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now His example is this. Just like Jesus came to his hometown and they rejected him and he's going to Gentiles, Elijah came to his own people, they rejected him, and so God sent him to this widow in Zarephath and she believed do you know the story there was a famine God had told Elijah to go to King Ahab and tell him it wasn't gonna rain anymore and it had not rained in three years and six months three and a half years people were dying there was no food God told Elijah to leave and go to Zarephath and he would find this widow when he gets there he sees this little woman she's got some sticks in her hand and he comes up to her and he says hey what are you fixing to do and she said well I got some sticks. I'm going to make a fire. I got just enough food for me and my son. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. And he said to her, No, no, no. Don't fix it for you. Fix it for me. And she went, You're a prophet from God? He went, Yeah, I am. Okay, I'll do it. And she did it. And guess what? God said, It will never wear out. And she continually... They all three ate until the famine was over. She believed... Israel didn't. His example is, there were all these widows in Israel, but he was not sent to any of them. He was sent to the widow at Zarephat, which is a Gentile, because the people in Israel reject. He gives a second example, and it's Elisha, and look at that one, it's verse 27, and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha, the prophet, but none of them were cleansed, no Jewish people were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian, and you know who Naaman was, Naaman was, was a, he thought he was a king, he was a warrior. He got leprosy. He didn't know what to do about it. He was, you know, nobody would have anything to do with him. Well, he had a slave girl who was Jewish. And she told him, she said, There's this prophet in Israel. His name is Elisha. If you go to him, he will heal you. Now, Israel was not going to Elisha. But this man, this Gentile, went to Elisha, went to his tent, and said, I'd like to see Elisha, please. I am a king. Elisha was inside, they came in and told him, he says, there's a king out there to see you. And Elisha said, just tell him, uh, just tell him go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Never even came out. The king, they walked out and said, uh, Elisha says, go dip in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be fine. And the king went, he didn't even come out to see me. And so he said, I don't think I'm going to do this. I'm pretty upset. And the little Jewish girl said, wait a minute. If he told you to do something big, you'd do it. If he told you something, do something little, why don't you do it? He went, okay. And then there dipped seven times, he was healed. Now, he believed where Israel didn't. Now, what Jesus is saying is that in the past, the people rejected the prophets and they went to the Gentiles. Jesus is saying, you're rejecting me and I'm going to take the message to the Gentiles. Now, let me ask you a question. Did the Jewish people like the Gentiles? You remember I told you a while ago about that creed that they would say in the synagogue? Every Jewish man would get up every morning and he would stand up and he would go, Hero, oh, here Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And I thank you, Lord, that I am not a woman. And I thank you, Lord, that I am not a Gentile. That's what Jewish men would say every morning. I thank you, Lord, I am not a Gentile. This moment Jesus... Tell, Tells them, And they understand that he's saying, because they reject, he's going to the Gentiles. Look what they do. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. They said, who do you think you are? You're going to the Gentiles. You're making the Gentiles equal with us. They're not equal with us. We're God's chosen people. They're nothing. In fact, what did the Jews call the Gentiles? They called them what? Dogs. And here's Jesus saying, they're equal with you. Because the truth is, is the gospel message just for the Jews? It's good news of great joy for all people. And so as soon as they realized what he was saying, that he was going to the Gentiles, they got mad. They were filled with rage as they heard these things. And look what they did. They got up. They drove him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill in which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. Can you see him? They rush him at the front of the synagogue. They bring him out. They get up to the top of this edge of this cliff, and they're going to throw him over. It didn't go as well as they thought it might. Right? You can see Jesus going, well, this went well. Yeah. But let me tell you something. It is not the time or the place for Jesus to die. He doesn't die on a hill outside Nazareth. He dies on a hill outside Jerusalem. Different time, different place. At the right time, Jesus is going to die for us. Outside Jerusalem on a hill. So look what happened. Verse 30, but passing through their midst, he went his way. How did he do that? We don't know. It could have been that they were going to throw him over, and all of a sudden he just turns around and starts walking, and nobody can touch him, and he just walks right through the middle of them. Because that's what it says. He walked through the midst of them and left. And you can see him say, I thought we had him. What happened? See, not the right time not the right place you know when the soldiers came to get Jesus you remember they came to get him to crucify him they came to get him and what did he say he said who do you look for and they said Jesus and he said I am and they all fell down they couldn't get him they couldn't do anything to him he said nobody takes my life I lay it down then I take it right back up again it's going to be in his time and in his way and it's not going to be getting thrown off a hill in Nazareth it's going to be dying on a cross outside Jerusalem We see the rejection and the message goes to the Gentiles and thank God that it did. Because Jesus came up and spoke and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. What have we seen this morning? Jesus goes to his hometown, presents himself as the Messiah. He reads Isaiah, fulfills the scriptures. Uh, Their response is they're amazed, but they reject him. He says, well, you're doing just like they've always done. You've always rejected. And so you go to the Gentiles. You're rejecting me. We're going to the Gentiles. They got some mad when he said Gentiles or when they realized it was Gentiles. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't. Wrong time, wrong place. It's coming. Let's see some applications realize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior. He is the one the Old Testament called the Anointed One. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that is Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 is speaking about. A, He is the Savior and the Judge. He is the Savior in His first coming. He is the Judge in His second coming. First time He came, He came to die on the cross and pay for sin. He came to do all of these things that He mentioned that we read. The second time He comes, He comes as the year or the day of vengeance of God. That's why He didn't read that passage. So. Realize who he is. B trust Christ as Savior. And let me I'm saying that because I don't know everybody in this room. I know most of you. I know a lot of you. I see you a lot. But I don't know if you believed in Jesus Christ as Savior or not. He is the only Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through Him. If you have never believed in Him for eternal life, this morning, right where you're sitting, right now, you can trust in Him as your Savior. It's not your works, your goodness, your righteousness. not joining a church. It's not being baptized. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not trying to live for Jesus that you're going to be saved. It is by trusting in Him and Him alone, you have eternal life. So right where you're sitting, you can see Say, God, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again. I'm trusting in Him and Him alone to get me to heaven. And you have eternal life. Third thing, see, is tell others. We have the privilege to proclaim the good news message. It's the time of the year when people are actually listening. It's Christmas time. People think about the baby born in Bethlehem. You tell them who that baby is. And you tell them that that baby is the Savior of the world who died on the cross for them. And they can have eternal life. Second, Understand the work of the Messiah. A. He came for all people. He didn't come just for the Jews, as much as they would have liked that. He came for all people. B. The rejection by the Jews brought the message to the nations, Matthew 28. And that's what we're seeing happening. Because if you read carefully Luke and Matthew and Mark and John and you read it, you see almost the whole first part of all the Gospels that go in directly to the house of Israel. And when the rejection comes, then it goes to the, to the Gentiles. Last but not least, keep our focus on the teaching of the Scripture. When Jesus went into the synagogue, He taught the Scripture. When we gather together on a Sunday morning, we come together to teach the Scripture. It is the foundation for your life. It is what you must know and must apply in your life. Stories are fine, but that's not the Scripture. You must be taught the Word of God. So let's keep as a focus, as a local church, that we teach the Bible so that we can continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. So may we understand the person and the work of the Messiah. May we proclaim the good news message to our community. And may we keep as a focus the teaching of the Word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great passage. Thank you that Jesus is indeed the Savior. That He is the Judge and the Savior. That He fulfills Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. He fulfilled the first part when He came the first time. He'll fulfill the second. Part when he comes the second time thank you that jesus christ is the savior and i pray that everyone in this room as we leave today everyone will have trusted in jesus christ as savior lord would you use us to tell others about the message of jesus we know he came for all people and that he is the savior may we keep as our focus in this local body the teaching of the word so we can know it so we can apply it and so we can pass it on to others we ask this in jesus name amen